1975, Christmas Eve. Tommy Ziegler is just kind of your average guy. It pretty much untangles the lives of half of this small town in Florida. Four people ended up dead in a furniture store with the lights off at different times during the evening. Tommy Ziegler is rushed off to the hospital, went in for emergency surgery, and later is booked for murder. Your heart kind of swings, you know, from one end to the other. You know, he did it, he didn't do it. It's been like going to a time portal every time. I go back into the original documents or speak to someone who was there. Well, my mindset when we started the trial is we think we have a decent chance of winning this trial. We thought and still believe we have an innocent client. There's no one man can shoot eight guns in four seconds expending 30 shells or whatever. I don't care who he is. Once, as an investigator, you prove to yourself that this man is literally being crucified by the state, it ruins your own life. I mean, I've served in the service. I've served in Vietnam. I've represented a lot of people, done a lot of things. It has been, that was probably the worst moment of my life, is standing beside Tommy Ziegler, believing in my heart that he was innocent, and have the judge sentence him to die. I don't want to be let go. I want that new trial. I want those 12 members of that jury to stand up and say not guilty. I thought we could just start with your thoughts about the case. You've all by now read this book, right? And I realize it's unusual to be assigned reading before class begins, but I think it underscores just how much is at stake and how much we expect of you as a part of this class. So tell me, you know, what impressions do you have about this case, this crazy murder case uh, that happened all these years ago? What, What jumps out at you what are your thoughts and impressions, um, questions? What, what are you wondering about? What do you think? Yes. How in the name of God could anybody think that I did this? I have missed so much in these last 40 years. The only thing I really want is my name back. That's the only thing that's left for me here. Everything else is already in heaven. How are you on this chilly Wednesday morning? I do hope and pray this letter finds you and yours feeling good and in good spirits. Enclosed herewith and attached, please find the letter authorizing your interview with me that you requested and a list of 40 things on this case I thought might interest you. I will work with the Metal Justice Project any way you all desire. If you have any questions you would like to ask prior to your interview, please feel free to write them to me. I will answer them immediately. I look forward to working with you and each member of your staff. Take care and God bless. Sincerely, W. Thomas Ziegler. The words of a convicted killer, accompanied by an eight-page handwritten note that lists 40 findings, 
40 clues compiled by Ziegler, his defense attorneys, and private investigators over the past 40 years. Each item of interest leads to more questions than answers. Questions about the police investigation, the witnesses, the jury deliberations, all the elements relied on to try to discover the truth of what happened on Christmas Eve 1975, the night that changed the course of Tommy Ziegler's life and many others. Tommy Ziegler was accused of murder. The victims, his wife, Eunice, her parents, Perry and Virginia Edwards, and a store customer, Charlie Mays. The crime scene, the Ziegler family furniture store in the small southern town of Winter Garden, Florida. The weapons found, eight guns, six of which belonged to Ziegler. The evidence, a medley of blood spatter, gunshot residue, and two damning witness accounts. In July 1976, Ziegler was convicted of two counts of first-degree murder and two counts of second-degree murder. Just days after the death penalty had been reinstated in the United States, 12 jurors, at first deadlocked, recommended Ziegler spend life behind bars. Instead, he was sentenced to death by Judge Maurice M. Paul, the presiding judge in the case of Florida v. Ziegler. To this day, Tommy Ziegler remains on death row. To this day, Tommy Ziegler maintains he is innocent. I know that I didn't commit these murders. And God knows I didn't commit these murders. And the evidence shows I didn't commit them. Tommy Ziegler's case is, at the very least, complicated. And the distance between the Medill Justice Project, just outside of Chicago in 2016, and Winter Garden, just outside of Orlando in 1975, is not easily bridged. In 10 weeks, students will try to achieve what various lawyers, private investigators, and others have worked on, some for more than 40 years. Combing through thousands of pages of records, including police records, forensic reports, medical records, trial transcripts and depositions, among other documents, and conducting extensive interviews and traveling from Chicago to Florida, these 10 students will search for the truth. The Medill Justice Project is, uh, I think, a, a unique program. Alec Klein, professor at Northwestern University at the Medill School of Journalism, Media, and Integrated Marketing Communications, and the director of the Medill Justice Project. There's no other known program like it in the world uh, where students at a university, as part of a class, investigate a real murder case where the uh, accused says that he or she has been wrongfully convicted or or charged, and then we publish our findings for the world uh, on our website or through other media outlets. We're not aware of any other program quite like that. It's been around for uh, many years, and the work that the students have done, both undergraduates and graduates, is, is I think, truly remarkable. The um, investigations have uncovered revelatory information that uh, has impacted criminal justice proceedings across the country. And in some cases, people have been set free uh, in the wake of our investigations. At the Medill Justice Project, the 10 graduate and undergraduate students read Philip Finch's book, Fatal Flaw, to prepare for their investigation. 
Finch's book, published in 1992, offers a detailed account of the events that transpired that evening, laying out the prosecution's case and the defense's, the trial and the aftermath. At the first class, Professor Klein and the students immediately delve right into and discuss what stood out to them in their first look at the case. You're right, there's so many dimensions to it. Race, family, there's, there's, there's insurance and, and blood spatter, and there's a lot of stuff going on. I mean, a lot. So yeah, I would absolutely agree with you. It's a lot to, to process right off the bat, but I would also say that's good. On every investigation I've ever worked on, I always feel completely confused and overwhelmed at first, and that's a totally normal feeling. Any other thoughts about the case? Uh, yeah, what's your name? Um, I'm Hannah. Um, yeah. I think the way in which he laid it out was really like a testament to the case in itself. In that, I was super overwhelmed. I, I saw this this huge book of every single page could have a detail that, if you miss it, who knows what like potential information that could have to solving or figuring out the truth of this case. I have to agree, the details are extremely overwhelming to the point where anyone who has any sorts of like performance anxiety is like, oh my gosh, okay, I have to take 80 million notes to make sure I get this right. Um, For me, I think the case is more about just seeing the holes in the justice system rather than knowing whether Zeigler is guilty or not because to a certain extent, it doesn't matter if the state, you know, tried his case poorly. And that's why we're here. When I was reading it, I was just surprised by how many things were done wrong. It is, I mean, hopefully one of the lessons you'll take away from this class is, you know, how fallible the system can be, how there can be problems in the criminal justice system when it comes to how the police investigate, what happens at trial, medical information, preservation of records, handing over records. I mean, there's so many issues, and in, in, uh, to me, that's, I think, part of the learning process. It can be somewhat startling, but it's not unusual, I think, for students who go through this to be surprised at how the system works or doesn't work. Uh, and um, But it certainly seems to be one of the issues in this case, because there was information withheld, information destroyed, information disrupted. For the students, being a part of the Medill Justice Project is an opportunity to engage with others as journalists, to work as a team, to investigate an instance of possible injustice. I'm Morgan Gilbard. I'm 23 and I'm a master's student at Medill. I always wanted to be Nancy Drew growing up, so this class is a pretty cool opportunity to pretend to do that. <laughs> My interest in investigative reporting started when I started contributing reporting research to another case a few years ago during my undergrad experience. And it was a heart-wrenching ordeal that really made me understand why this work can be so important. I'm Hannah Vicente Cleot. I'm an undergrad student here at Northwestern. I'm really excited. It's definitely been more work than I've had for any class just in week one, but it doesn't feel like work. It feels like something that I'm working towards. And it's different from any other class I've done because it's you're never done. It's not a homework assignment. Oh, I finished it. This guy's life, you know, he's on, he's on death row. It, it matters what we find and if we can seek the truth, whether or not that's if he's innocent or guilty. Yeah, I think the whole experience is kind of like a Rubik's Cube. You know, like no matter how long we play with it, we might not get to the end. 
And I think that's the scariest part about it because we really do care already, you know, in just week one. And I think that we're really going to keep pushing ourselves to get there, but the thought that we might not find anything or might not come up with anything is kind of daunting, especially when people have been asking questions for 40 years. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, we have to do something different in order to make any progress here. It's like, it's real life. I don't yeah. know. It's cool. <laughs> I do want you to keep in mind that at, at the most basic level, this is a class. And I think I have to remind you this later in the term when you forget that. But it is a class and the primary mission is to learn something about being a better journalist, to learn something about yourself, take away things from this experience that will help you in your life and in your careers. But on top of it being a class, there is quite a bit at stake. You know, the fact that, that there's somebody sitting on death row right now who's quite anxious to see you and, and you will be seen pretty soon. This is what we know. This is where we start. With more questions than answers, a daunting 10-week deadline, and a man on death row.